and welcome to episode 48 of Pennies in the Well. Today is going to be a little bit of a shift in the entry into the episode, and then we are going to go looking for treasure. Treasure, I say, treasure. But first, <clears throat> shifting the entry into our, our engagement with each other. Why? Because I've been changing how I engage with ritual, with magical working, and how I therefore interact with the world uh, in a number of ways, though work still remains work. Okay, so with that, I want to invite you to join me in connecting with, with our compatriots, our fellow journeyers, excuse me, fellow journeyers on this planet, on this trip through life, all the uh, other entities, if you will, companions, if you will, uh, kindreds, if you will, that are also part of this living experience, if not actually seen living in the physical world. So I begin by acknowledging that I am recording this podcast on the ancestral, unceded, and traditional territory of the Kakite Nation of the Coast Salish peoples, that I have been welcomed to this land by the land, and that the I make offering, I offer to the land, to you, I offer the healthy results of what I do now in this moment. May the energy bless you as I am blessed by being upon you. And I acknowledge and invite in and welcome my companions of Naturum, of nature spirits who work with and support my work. And I give honor to all of the Naturum, the nature spirits that you work with, and all of the indigenous peoples of the lands upon which you live, and all of our ancestral lines through the lands that we have lived on, and then the ancestral lines of our blood, I offer blessings to them and to you, blessings of, <coughs> of engagement, of connection, of bliss, and I honor the ancestors of our bliss, of our blitz, of our of our connections and teachings and patternings that we share down through time and that we choose as well to engage with uh, to all of our ancestors. I offer, I offer blessing of hope and blessing of action. <coughs> I'm sorry for all the coughing. Uh, had a little allergy from cat attack, and uh, I didn't want to put off recording any longer. So here we are. And with the ancestors, I also call to the great stars, the royal stars, and the grand stars to witness this working, this sharing. <coughs> I call to Polaris and to Octans. I call to Fomalo, Aldebaran, Regulus, Antares. Witness what is done, that what is done echo through eternity. 
and I call upon my deities, my deities to guide me, to offer wisdom in the future, in the path unseen. I offer respect to mine and to yours, and that all of our companions who help us through each day, through this life, into the next, be with us and support us as we connect, as we act, and as we become. And I invite you, <coughs> I invite you to take a deep breath, not to experience the inhale, but to experience the exhale, to notice as you exhale, to pay attention and to realize that this could be your last exhale ever within life, that life ends on the exhale, the last breath released from the body, and that we could slide into death in any moment, and that this moment itself dies with the exhale, and when no air is left, and that moment of death is realized, honor unto death. And we breathe anew and step into the next moment of our life by choice and by deliberation, by action. Welcome, welcome to this moment and this time and this topic, the topic of treasure. <clears throat> when was the last time you thought about treasure? Mm. I like saying that word right now, treasure. I've pondered uh, mildly, I will admit, mildly, uh, treasure for, I'm going to say like a year and a bit now. And be why? Because in one of those fantastical workings whereupon wisdom is shone down upon me and I open to it and then I have realization of another piece of the puzzle that will make moving into the future better and easier and I look at the piece and go treasure and I as with all the pieces I look at the piece and go I don't get it but I accept it it's kind of the fun part of changing your entire f underlying fundamental understanding of yourself and your world is that uh yeah, I have to take in these these new things and to trust that I I have to trust myself. I have to trust that I understand my connection with the universe well enough to know that when it's the universe talking and not just my own ego, psyche, and subconscious talking and being able to differentiate, wow, that's a high degree of trust coming from a person who questioned everything from a strong science background and has frequently questioned her own sanity until, of course, accepting that she is insane and that really it's just a whole matter of functional insanity and that that's okay because it's only insane by modern society definition uh, by action and reaction I'm probably darn right healthy in all of that but healthy in today's world is an act of insanity so I'm all for healthy acts of insanity bring them on so to create this change, you have to be willing to take in information to trust. I have to trust that I'm taking in something real. And I have to take it in 
enough to hold on to the feeling of it, the essence of it, the, um, there's kind of this cool thing that you can do with new thoughts, new ideas, new, uh, essences, if you will, is that you can take that essence and, and you hold it in your, your soul's hands, in that part of you that understands the great beyond the physical, that feels into all of the senses augmented past this uh, thin veneer of physicality and to take that and to tap it or to pluck it like a harp string or a drum and to feel the resonance that comes from touching it. So Christina, Christine Pratt, Christina Pratt of Why Shamanism Now calls it working with your truth cord. And we all have this cord inside of ourselves that when we, we pluck it, we can understand the, the truth, the resonance of of it. So if you are trying, once you know where your truth cord is, which is, well, inside of you and runs the line of you and your energy centers and connects you to the, all the universe above and the entire potentiality below. And when you realize that you are fully connected, that cord that connects you, you can tap it, pluck it, whatever you want to call it. And it will play a note and when you're really beautifully aligned, oh, that is a good thing. Well, everything has that quality and you can tap all kinds of things in the world. Be polite about it. It's kind of rude to go around tapping living beings just willy-nilly just to get that feeling. So play with essences, play with truths, discover your own truth from this uh, if you want to play with it. So playing with the essence and to take in some piece of information new like oh treasure and what was the context of the treasure well I was playing with um my well I, I see the universe as eight planes of existence with us as the very center we actually exist in the middle spot uh, surrounded by the eight planes and that I like to call it the four five interchange because we are between the four and the five. So it's the traveling between the four five and the connection between the four five. So it's the four five interchange. Hello, welcome to life and the world as we know it. So I was working with, uh, these eight planes and I was working them through item and symbol, oh, beautiful stones. Oh, you would have loved it. It was like a stone mandala set out. I think that's what they're called. Where you set a bunch of stones in particular pattern to generate an energy field to create resonance and impact and change and all that. And it was all my big, beautiful stones, like big and a big moose bone and just like, oh my God, so sexy. And then it grew from there and I was working with my witchy wiccany tools and, and where would the tools that I work with, where would they sit? You know, do they have a, a strong resonance with any particular level uh, or any particular plane and, w and where would that be or would it be between the planes and how the elements work? And I can go on for hours about that, but sticking to this. So I was laying all this down and I get to this one point and I go, oh, and then in this spot, I need a piece of treasure. Sometimes I actually talk out loud to myself when I do these things. Sometimes it's silent, but the end result is still the same. A very clear definitive statement that pops into my head that is not actually from my head per se, because 
I had no thoughts about treasure prior to that. It was never on my radar. This is not, treasure's not a working tool. A cup, a chalice, a blade, um, your thame, your, well, tarot cards could be a tool, but it's not what I usually think of as my main working tools. Your pinnacle, a wand, a scourge, all of those things. Those are your standard working tools. Treasure is not a standard working tool. And this is where I have to hold the two different, my, my current reality and kind of hold it off to the side a little bit and then take in this new idea and hold it as a viable potential reality that can kind of coexist with the one that I already have and not let the one that I already have just scream this new potentiality out of existence. Because if I allow that to happen, then I am never going to change. And quite frankly, you know, as much as I may enjoy certain aspects of my life, I am not enjoying my life right now. And if we were to take a little side trip into this, this is accepting who and where I am right now. Basic fact of life and change. You cannot change where you're at if you don't recognize and accept and acknowledge where you're at. So as long as I pretend that I am super happy and all is well and good, then uh, there is no impetus to change. There's also no understanding of where, why I truly am not those things. And if I don't understand why I'm not those things, then how am I going to choose the right direction to move? Even if it's away from where I'm at, how do I choose which direction to go away from and choose which direction to go to? You need something to orient to in order for that to work. So I understand and um, not accepting in a, in a sense of, oh, this is where I am. This is all that I get to be. This is it for the rest of my life. No, it's not about that. It's about accepting that, yeah, yeah, I am sitting in this apartment and I do have the job that I have and I have the pets that I have and I have the friends that I have and I have the hobbies that I have because I have chosen those things and that's what I do. What I do on a daily basis, weekly basis, monthly basis, that is the expression of my choices, the expression of my will made manifest. And maybe my will's being a bit fucking lazy, but where it wants to go. But usually it's more that the will wants to go a particular place, but honestly, the emotions and the thoughts and everything else drag us somewhere else. Plus, we don't understand our will. Oh, dear God, how we don't actually understand where we want to go. <sighs> One moment, please. My world became so tired and exhausted all the time that I actually ended up having to set an alarm. Uh, first, the little warning alarm at seven o'clock to tell me to go to bed, and then a, an actual alarm that used to be, actually it used to be seven o'clock, and my alarm to go to bed, like seriously, honey, what the fuck are you doing? Get your ass into bed alarm was for nine o'clock. <laughs> and then I got so tired that it was waking me up. So I had to move it to 8.30 so it wouldn't wake me up anymore. But then it was that 8.30 alarm was waking me up because I was already in bed, mostly asleep. And I had to move it to 8 o'clock so that it would actually, just on those off days when I hadn't actually collapsed out of exhaustion into bed, it would remind me to go to bed before uh, epic failure. And I stayed up, you know, that little bit too late and then I couldn't handle the next day. Yeah, that's where I've been at for the last year. But hey, things are improving thanks to the diet from hell. Uh, hell is in restrictions. But that which will actually make me feel better, totally worth it. That's what our interruption was. And then coming back to where the heck were we making change? And 
allowing that space for something to be possible. So I allowed the treasure to be possible in this download and I'm sure I lost track of where I was and sorry guys, I'm not rewinding because what I found is with the limited, limited energy I have, it's do or die people, do or die. So no shit, there I was. I think it was last year's retreat and I had everything laid out and I had that moment, that, that moment of clarity, that clear ringing, yes, this is right. It's that moment when you know something is right. You don't understand it. You don't have to understand it to be able to feel it deep in your soul that yeah, 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 I should have a tool that's treasure. Huh. <laughs> Because I can feel the truth of it. And then I sit with it and go, but, uh, what? What do I do with that? I don't know how to work with that. There, there's no protocol for working treasure into ritual. This doesn't make sense. And I really do like things to make sense. I actually tend to build um, principles, procedures, all, all these kinds of fun P words into things so that... Uh, it's a very, you know, that theory of everything. Great movie, by the way. Uh, sorry. Theory of everything. So I like to make my spirituality work, work with everything that has true meaning in the world. I, I do like that. On the P note, as a very funny, weird side note of something that my mother has related to me about my childhood, apparently she had it in her head growing up, when I was growing up, not her, that as I was growing up, that I had all of my food issues with, with pee. So apparently I did not like pork, which uh, turned into real issues later. I did not like pop, truth, totally knew that one. I didn't like pie, pork, pop, and pie. And, and I have, I guess, vague memories of not liking pie, but you know, then you get older and a really great flaky crust and the right kind of thing in the middle. And I remember eating grandma's apple pie that she made when I visited her when I was like eight or something. And that was great. And then my sister went through this phase when she was about 18 trying to make the perfect apple pie. Good times for the rest of us. And I enjoyed that. So really, there was a time in my life I did not enjoy pie because I enjoy pie now. I just can't eat it. Totally different set of circumstances. If I could eat it, ooh, pie. Oh, could somebody please eat a really, really gorgeous, beautiful, perfect piece of pie, either fruit or something custardy, and then tell me about it. Tell me how good it was. Like, give me the vicarious experience. I'm one of those people that when someone's eating a thing that I can't eat, sure, I have my sadness, but mostly, mostly I want to vicariously live through you. I want to witness your experience so that I can feel it reflected into me and I can get as close as I'm going to get at this point in my life to that piece of pie and, and its experience in on my tongue and in my mouth. Oh, yeah. So if you've had a really great pie experience, please tell me. Pennies in the well at gmail.com uh, or check me out at Abysmal Witch on Facebook. Righto. Actually, it'd be The Abysmal Witch on Facebook. Also, The Abysmal Witch on Instagram. Go figure. So, coming back. Treasure. There I am. I've got this new, new discovery, as it were, new tool. No idea how to use it. It's been a year. It's been a little, right now, over a year. Still, no real idea how to use it. 
and hadn't been working with because when you have a thing, information wise, I'm like, so I had a piece of treasure. I'd actually been gifted a pirate coin from a client and a friend of mine, which reminds me, I really got to reach out to her. When was the last time you connected to someone that you really appreciate, but you haven't seen in a while? Reach out to them. Connect. Totally worth that moment of effort. It's almost as if we prove to ourselves that we do still want to reach out to others in the world. Do it. If you do it, I'll do it. Deal? Deal. Okay. So she had given me this pirate coin. So on one side, it's got kind of a, it's got a skull crossbones. It's pure well, maybe not pure silver, but it's a, it is definitively a silver coin. Came in a beautiful case. Of course, I have taken it out of the case because it's no fun having your treasure contained in plastic. Just check out that really bizarre Raggedy Ann and Andy special. I think it was a Christmas thing, and it involved sealing everything in plastic. Very strange. It was from my childhood. I feel like that would be a good thing to watch on drugs. Anyhow, so I took it out of the plastic. It's now tarnished. I don't care. It just makes it more real. On the flip side, it actually has a mermaid sitting on a rock, I think. So very, very, very piratey themed. And of course, a silver coin with a skull and crossbones, pirate treasure. Hello. Of course, that is my, my treasure token. And then this year, I was given a, a gift at Yule of this beautiful box that his partner had, uh, like a little treasure chest, you know, let's say like four by four by six inches tall, curved top, whole bit with a kind of woodland theme, wood burned into it and varnished and, uh, oh, mushrooms on it. It's really, really beautifully done. Who knows? Maybe I'll take a picture and share it. And I put inside of it some knuckle bones from a moose that I had been gifted uh, that I work with periodically for casting the bones and for working with male deity. Wonderful. But they, they didn't have a place to live, and I don't work with them all the time. And then where do you store things, right? And these amazing uh, stone hearts that I have recently acquired. And there are some other stones that I periodically work with um, that are them thematically connected in some ways, but they don't they're not part of my shamanic healing set. They're not part of this other thing. They're not part of that other thing. They just kind of floated around on their own, not having a place to go. Well, now they're all in the treasure chest. And at the top of that treasure is, of course, my beautiful silver pirate coin. Still don't actually understand what to do with my treasure chest. So this podcast is in great part my chance to explore with you what that could be for. And if you have thoughts and ideas, again, reach out and contact me. There is some chance that I will actually reply. Not a guarantee though, because as has been discussed many a time, I suck at email. Right out. So this wonderful treasure. Well, now that I've got treasure, I've got treasure in a treasure chest, I have my treasure. Now, now what do you do? So let us contemplate for a moment, Treasure. And I'm going to take you on a little journey, thought-wise, that I had tonight, actually, uh, which is, of course, why I am recording, because when I get inspired into thinking about certain things, I either call a friend or do a podcast. Mostly I call a friend to make sure I'm not going insane, but tonight, tis the podcast, because I want to start reaching out again. I want to get some of the craziness in my head out into the world, so here we are. Treasure. Treasure 
in my eight planes of existence, uh, I, so I see spirit as above and soul as below and that the eighth plane is, is the universal plane, the, the dreamer, not the dream, but the dreamer. And the one that which dreams us all into existence that, uh, beyond deity, that allness, that oneness, uh, the one mind, if you want to go all chemical, that, that all beyond our comprehension, um, arguably either Hokma or Kether, I would, I would haven't fully settled on that, or at least right in this moment, I don't remember where I settled, so we'll call it as non-settled, to give you some context if you want to go a little Kabbalistic with it. And from that origin place of the dreamer, there comes the dream. And the dream connects down into the, the first plane, the very base plane, which has is the abysmal plane. Aha! Yes, abysmal plane, abysmal witch, absolutely connected in really strange ways I don't fully understand there yet either. Fun times. That if you've ever read The Warlock in Spite of Himself, I think it's Christopher Stashef that wrote it, and it's, it's quite old at this point, did a series of novels, had this really funky thought uh, premise behind it. Basically, it was a fantasy crossed with science fiction, so a dude who was traveling in his spaceship, uh, the spaceship helps him out and makes him look like a warlock to the people on the planet, uh, lands on a planet that has been cut off from the grander universe because the people who landed there, uh, their, their ship died, in the, or, because or, I don't really remember, it's been so long, they didn't want to be connected. Anyway, it was a bunch of people from British Isles, so Ireland, Scotland, etc., who wanted to relocate and create a world in a rather SCA way uh, that was based into their own folklore and their own belief and kind of getting back to the roots of things. So you had a whole bunch of Irish, Scottish, uh, etc. people with all of their folktales on this planet. Turned out that a number of them had psychic abilities. Also turned out that on said planet, there was um, a plant of sorts that they called witch moss. And that this witch moss was highly influenceable by psychic abilities. <laughs> that it would basically take the shape of that. Uh, if so, someone with a strong psychic ability had an image in their head, that image would um, up, go into the witch moss. The witch moss would pick it up, whatever. The witch moss would shape, it, shape itself to that image and the thing would come to life. Obviously, it could be pretty harrowing, but also led to things like elves. Uh, the wee folk became real. Puck became real, and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Fun stories ensue. There's a number of books if you actually want to go looking it up. My point with it is that that witch moss, that idea that there is this base substance that simply is kind of meandering around existing, but not doing a whole heck of a lot on its own, and that is then shaped by the thought desire imprint of a dreamer, if you will, that that's how I kind of see the first plane, the abysmal plane, is that it's made up of witch moss and that the dreamer of the universe, God, if you prefer, goddess, uh, but beyond God, goddess, the way that most pagans work with them, beyond that, 
beyond actually, because Christians try to work with the beyond and then they actually have a tendency to pull it down into um, the level that pagans work with deity. That's causing actually a lot of the difficulties because if you work with deity the way and God in the sense of the one, the way that they talk about, um, then a lot of what the Christian mythos does work. It's when you try and humanize, as soon as you try and humanize that you you've taken it out of its own context and you've pulled it down closer to our reality uh, and therefore it's not in that first eighth plane top plane reality of existence and it is no longer with the thing that you are being described so or it, that you are describing so the dreamer dreams and the dream begins in the witch moss, and then as it forms, it, it travels up the plains until the dreamer and the dream meet, and we have life and existence as we know it. And when the treasure sits in that eighth plane, in the plane of the dreamer, which intrigues me. It's not the first plane. It's not the treasure that is, that is pulled out. It is that beyond existence consciousness that isn't even consciousness because again it limits that flow of the universe uh, mayat if you want to go egyptian deity is probably the closest deity that i know of to that quality that is where the treasure lies and that thought skipped me over to the intro to my podcast the song pennies in the well by oh, Meredith Luce, L-U-C-E, that was bad, I should remember, uh, the very, you know, sweet woman who a decade ago, I think it is now, which is crazy that a decade ago is when I started this, but that's neither here nor there for right now, but I reached out to this unsuspecting woman so very long ago and said, I'm starting a podcast and your song is like my title of my podcast and I, I really quite enjoy it. Can I use it for free? Uh, well, I, I bought the album, but uh, I, she, she just allowed me to use it and I think that was really awesome of her. So shout out to her, which hasn't happened in a ridiculously long time. In that song, um, pennies in the well and we are what we sell we are pennies in the well well to break that into a different thought what if the pennies are the dreams so the treasure is the dreams falling down into existence the treasure is not the dreamer but what the dreamer dreams but at the point where the dreamer is dreaming it so we are what we sell we are pennies in the well we are dreams dreams located at the bottom of the well and that what we sell, what we send out into the world, what we make have worth in the world are the dreams at the very bottom of our consciousness in the depths of our soul. We won't float when the ship goes down. So when the ship is, when us in movement is going somewhere, then our dreams can go somewhere. When a ship crashes, all the treasure that's on it, that people have desired and longed for, etc., falls to the bottom of the ocean and waits to be discovered again. When the treasure that is in someone's being, their music, their thoughts, their 
comprehension of the universe on a unique level, when we lose them or when they lose their way, those coins, those treasures fall to the bottom of the ocean to be lost until someone can retrace the steps and find again that treasure that has been lost. Yeah, what was it? We are a pet close we are what you make of us we are what you make of us we are you know how it goes you actually have to sing things in order to remember them we are what you make of us pennies dreams to take it as the dream is the first person in that moment the dreams we are what you the actors the people the ones making choices and creating action, we are what you make of us. Dreams are what, to flip the analogy to become one of the you, dreams are what I and you and everybody else make of them. That our dreams, therefore, our dreams and treasure became linked. How does that sound? Does that resonate for you? Does that ring within your truth chord? Does that ring within your resonance of reality, your, your web of weird go, yeah, hell yeah, that's right. Our dreams as treasure, but not, not the small dreams. There's small dreams, the light dreams, the little dreams, some very basic reality dreams that don't seem very small at all. Being free of debt. Oh, I was so close. I was so close to no debt at all. Then I went into my business for myself and utterly failed and well, well, that dream's gone at the moment. And dreams being our treasure. What was treasure? When was the last time you thought about treasure? I know for myself, I don't think as being debt-free as being treasure. I just think of that as taking a huge, massive, killing weight off of me. And wouldn't that be glorious? Treasure was something I dreamed about when I was young. When I would watch Sinbad in the Seven Seas and he was seeking out the treasure for immortality and putting together the, the three signs and there was the chick with the hand on her, or the eye tattooed on her palm of her hand, which is actually a really crappy place to tattoo. Uh, I was utterly enchanted by by that and by the thought of seeking treasure. Wasn't that... Was that a youth thing? Was that something that we did when we were children? Or was that an age thing? As in, that was something that people sought more, felt more connected to years ago? Or is this just a me thing that I'm just feeling really disconnected from treasure? I don't actually know. So uh, that that's something I would have, I, I pull you for. Oh, people listening, where, where do we sit with that? Hmm. Do you... Do you, when was the last time you sought out treasure? When was the last time you felt desirous of treasure? And not in a, I want all the things way. Because I get, oh, there's always cute things on the internet going, hey, don't you want to buy me? Um, travels me into a little aside on when people go, oh my God, this, this, this is the thing that I need or I, just anything. 
people see a really cute animal, oh, I need to have that, or a dress, I need to have that, or a hat, I need to have that, or a new video game, I need to have that. Like, And the way it's expressed, and right in this moment, I can't think of the phrasing that's used, but it is pretty common, that really just gives this like huge weight of expressed desire to something that if it was actually in front of us, do we really care? How much do we really care? It's easy to go, oh my God, that is so cool. I want that. I need that. But do I really? Uh, I had this recently. I'd picked up for friends of mine who got me into hammock camping, which by the way, if you've never hammock camped, oh, you are missing out. Hammock camping is awesome. I'd given up on ha- on camping after my back injury because, oh my God, I'm getting older. I, I was always cold while camping and I was never comfortable while camping and then trying to do it with a bad back. No. Well, you bring in hammocks. I have never been this warm while camping. I have never been this comfortable while camping. It is glorious. And when I go to a fun annual event uh, where we all get dressed up as like fairies and pirates and have a great time and it's on a lake and if you want to know more, contact me. It's, It's an amazing time. Where was I going with this? It was about treasure... No, I've got see I slid I slid sideways into the whole pirates thing and the camping thing and it totally derailed me. I'm so sorry. Usually in the old days, if you listen to the earlier podcast episodes, you know that I was really good at keeping track of myself and where I was. Apparently these days little more questionable on my slide across into these odd places. So I'm gonna do us both a favor and check. One moment, please. So when I stay with the people at the event who did who introduced me to hammock camping, awesome, awesome people, shout out to them, not using names because I don't have permission, uh, they call the area that we stay in the gallows, and it's very, I guess you could say priority themed, but it's really, you know, skeleton themed, you know, gallows, right? We're all hanging. It's, it's just awesome. And at Michael's this last year, I found a skeleton in their part of their Halloween town selection, there was a, a skeleton hanging out in a hammock strung between two trees. It was so awesome. Oh my God. I was so broke at the time though, that there was just at 70% off. Even there was no way I was buying two. There was only buying one sad truth and reality. So I bought them one. I bought one with the intention to give it to them and uh, I don't see them very often. This is another example of the, Hey, you know what? If you really like, you know, someone you don't see them very often to periodically reach out and just, you know, even if it's once a year, Hey, I got to see you. That's great. So anyway, I reached out finally. Uh, well, actually I hadn't seen them for a while. Backtrack slightly. And I didn't want to take it into my home because if I did, the desire to keep it was so high because it was so fucking adorable. So I sat it on the the dashboard of my car for a while. And as I was driving, the the skeleton in his hammock would just kind of swing. It was so chill and really fucking awesome. And I wanted it. Oh, my God, I wanted it. And working through many ways of justifying how... Even though I'd bought it for them, you know, they didn't, they, they didn't know about it. So it wasn't like they were going to experience any loss. And I was under no contract or obligation to give it to them aside from it was simply my original intention. So of course I could keep it, but it was my original intention to keep them to them. Anyway, 
I bounced between this desire and then my intention for quite a while. And my desire, my, my very base level desire to own it was so strong. We really love to own our things these days. Like deeply, I want it. It was so strong that for a while there, I was sure I was going to keep it. And then, and then this moment happened where it was funny because I was going through this with a fair number of things. I just really wanted to keep all the things. I think because I was feeling so disconnected from so much and anything that brought me joy of any nature I wanted to keep and to try and fill the angry places inside of me and the anxious places inside of me to counterbalance that with something that would be cute and fun. If I own it, then it fills a space, right? Something finally flipped and I went and realized I don't, I don't need to keep it. Would I enjoy it? Yes. Would I add it to my collection? Oh, of course I would. Do I need it? No. Cause if I had truly needed it, I would have found the money in the moment when I bought it. I didn't need it in that moment. So why do I need it in this one? And it wasn't a logical talk me down out of it. It was feeling my way into it and feeling into why I needed to have it in my hand so bad and to feel a sense of ownership for it. And then having felt it, I didn't need it anymore. And I was able to let go of that tight, painful grasp I was having on it and to go and visit said beautiful, wonderful people uh, at Yule time, no less, and showed up with it as a gift and was able to give them, um, they hadn't seen it. They did not already have one because, you know, if they already had one, I would have cheerfully kept it. They didn't have one and they were thrilled, absolutely thrilled. And I got to enjoy their enjoyment and all was good. So it became their treasure and wasn't mine. How we hold on to treasure and how we are grasping at so many things to be our treasure these days makes me wonder, would it help to, to actually explore treasure in Indiana Jones and the kingdom of the crystal skull, I think is what it's called that last movie where they're in Inca, Inca land that at one point, I think in it, he says something about gold uh, being only one part of the translation of the word from Inca and that it actually meant treasure and that treasure in this case was knowledge. It was information. And that is a theme that is seen often in literary type places, I do believe, or in story type places, let me put it that way, that so often treasure isn't a physical thing, but rather uh, a, something we quest after, such as the Holy Grail. It would be the treasure at the end of the quest. What is your name? What is your favorite color? What is the average airspeed velocity of a sparrow? <laughs> African or European? Oh, I don't know that. Ah, times for my 20s. Good times. And yeah, do we know? Do you know? Do you know what you value? What is your treasure? What is your, your heart's treasure? What is your soul's treasure? Maybe those are two different things. Maybe they're the same thing. If you have children, 
are the children, are your children the treasure of your heart? Or is my beautiful baby boys here, my fuzzy boys, are they the treasure of my heart? They are certainly treasure to me. And they are not the treasure of my spirit, the treasure of maybe not even the treasure of my soul. That treasure beyond all treasures that we seek that... I sometimes kind of wonder if that seeking of that kind of treasure is what actually began the Christian era to seek connection with the ultimate cosmos Godhead, that that reaching for explains the entire Christian era and that uh, that reaching for that connection in doing so, we left that deep-rooted connection into the land and into our past and into our, our physical selves. And when we lost our rooting into that, all of that rooting places became nasty, evil, and bad. And thus we have the Great Schism between the above and the below. And, uh, well, what we have now is the result of that. And that is, in and of itself, not inherently bad. It's been one fucking hell of a journey. And look at the amazing, beautiful, wondrous things that we actually have accomplished as human beings. It's astounding. I mean, it's also equally horrifying because mm, such is the nature of what we've done. And it's what's brought us to this pinnacle, this moment, this place where we are careening down a ski slope. That careening, well, it is also our opportunity. I firmly believe that we are at the point of our evolution as a species. Evolve or die, become or die, become or fail. Failure is death. Uh, and that it isn't that everything that we've been doing is wrong. It's that we now need to take what we had before the Christian era that connection and that rootedness, combine it with the Christian era, with that, that reaching into the unknown to connect with the great beyond and to combine the two. I think that we're actually in critical need of synthesis at this point. And that that synthesis will change both our understanding of what it was to root into the world and what it means to connect into the universe that we combine and through the combination we find the true balance that stretches us in all necessary directions, brings us into the full breadth of ourselves and allows us to have the great perspective that will make making the, the best healing choices for the planet easy, simple. Well, never easy, but simple because it will be clear understanding because it couldn't be anything else because we will have opened ourselves so wide that we will know on a visceral, fundamental level what it is that we are doing and how we therefore need to change. Alrighty then. So treasure, treasure becomes that what all spiritual paths seek, reunion, with the source, connection into Kether, um, the Philosopher's Stone, uh, transcendence into God above, uh, 
union with the divine, beyond the divine, and full love, and love in its deepest, wildest, broadest, inclusivist sense. In other words, all seekers are seeking treasure, ultimate treasure. We're all trying to get there. We describe it differently. We take different paths. And it's still, I think, really the same treasure. We're just looking from our own particular lenses. And seeing it through those lenses means that we perceive it differently because we perceive differently, which is why the more we can open our perception and understand how other people perceive and encourage everyone to do this more, and the more that people open their perceptions, and it catches like a wildfire. And whoosh, if we could get broadening of perspective to go viral, the actual experience of it, man, what that would do for humanity. Holy fuck. Wow. Whew, that that would just about be a game changer right there, I think. So treasure. These are my, my thoughts on treasure and my thoughts on dreams and our dreams treasure. And, and then how do you bring that? What is the tool of treasure? Is it, is it the guiding light? Is it the point of the quest? Is the treasure that is received? What about the treasure received? The dragon's hoard. We all have a thing, you know, oh my God, the dragon's hoard, because they have so much treasure piled and piled and piled, and it just makes us go more than a little crazy. I mean, if you've seen, uh, not Lord of the Rings, Hobbit and... Uh, Battle of Five Armies. I think that's the one where King, I uh, can't remember uh, the king's name, the dwarf king who loses his shit over treasure and goes treasure mad. Uh, that's a thing. That's that's a thing that people do all of the time. We just uh, don't do it quite so big, bold, and obvious. Uh, nor do we come out of it necessarily quite so well either. Anyhow, uh the dragon's hoard of treasure, we're drawn to it. So, so what is that? What is that archetype in our psyche? What is it talking about? What is it calling to? What is it describing? Why? Why do we get so drawn to this? And I don't think it's just a matter of money. I don't think it's about financial coin. I don't think that treasure really is about, um, money in my pocket. And now I've got a Jan Arden song in my head. Money in my pocket. I like the color of my skin. Righto. That if it's not that, and I don't think it is, then, then what does that treasure hoard mean? To hoard treasure, we while on one hand it, it lures us and it draws us and it tempts us, and on another hand, we, we frown upon it. We acknowledge that to keep, why, why do keep, treasure hoarded is lifeless and pointless. Ah, oh, there's a moment. The dragon's hoard treasure, the hoard of the dragon is very pretty. It's beautiful, it's tinkly, and it kind of makes you want to roll in coinage. Oh my God. When I was about seven, we went down to Disneyland uh, via car. 
driving in a station wagon, three kids, good times in those days, you know, we could sleep in the back of the, the big long station wagon because seatbelts weren't actually a requirement, I don't think. And we stopped in Reno because my parents actually loved Reno. Uh, I think it was a compromise between us kids and Disneyland and them wanting to do something. Their, their Disneyland was Reno. And oh, I got so into the slots. <laughs> That's when I was seven years old. And we all came to a communal agreement that Violet should not actually ever gamble, that it would just not be good because, oh my God. God, I was addicted to that potentiality of gain and more and money. It was, it was bad. And I still actually don't gamble. I, I've never gone to a casino and gambled ever. And I fully intend to continue on with that in life because I can see it's like I've never actually taken a drag off of a cigarette. Pretty sure that in both cases I do it and I'll, I will fall straight into that addiction because I do have an addictive personality. I do get drawn into things and would, oh my God, abuse so badly. So I just don't do it and I've never done it and I have no intention to do it just to honor that knowledge of myself aside from when I was seven and whew, good times. And I think it was my mom who'd won, I don't know, like $10 or $20 or something in nickels. Do you know how many nickels that is? I mean, it's probably really aggravating from an adult point of view, but as a kid, it was this entire bucket of nickels. And I remember running my hands through it and, and kind of tossing it in the air and, and it, spreading it on the bedspread in the hotel room and rolling in it. I actually did the rolling in the coins thing, just reveling in the coinage, reveling. And I still get a little echo of that feeling now. It was, it was expansive and just gluttony, glorious gluttony and rolling in it, no inhibitions, no boundaries, just, ah, mm. however, not healthy in a realistic day-to-day -day living kind of way. It does make me wonder about, you know, that that's what we, that I think is the true appeal of seeing all that coinage, to be able to revel in it, to luxuriate in it, to roll around and just be in it, to be utterly soaked by treasure and flooded by it, to be overwhelmed in the senses by it, to be lost in it, to be lost in something so desired, so wealth, wealth in the feeling of wealth. When we think of wealth, how it feels to be wealthy, to revel in that, to be utterly lost in it, to let go of everything else and to just be in it. it sounds pretty awesome in a sense, right? That sensation is a great sensation. It's also the sensation that will draw you into addictions and drugs and all of that in potentially a bad way because you're seeking it through a means that is not the true essence of it. And maybe this is where treasure as a tool is so important is to come into a healthy connection and understanding with our own seeking of treasure to understand what is the treasure that we seek? What is the treasure you seek? If we were to get, again, alchemical about it, uh, what's your true will? 
You could also say that's thelemic, and there's a lot of alchemy in the thelema, and et cetera, et cetera. Uh, the, the Wicca touches into it a bit, but doesn't quite express it as strongly. But then again, there's a nice thelemic element in Wicca, so no surprise there. What is, what is it we seek? What is our true purpose? Our true purpose, and, and we all, spiritual people that we are, all seek our purpose in life and on this planet. Why are we here? What are we doing? That's our treasure, isn't it? What is our treasure? How do we engage with our treasure? What would we use our treasure for? Would we hoard it like a dragon and go, it's mine and nobody else gets to have it and I'm going to die with it? Well, it works for dragons, but you don't see a lot of dragons around these days. Well, okay, some people who can really see into that particular um, vibration of the universe can see dragons, and they're actually around more than you think. Uh, they don't, but going, ugh, sorry, I lost my train of thought there in a sense because I'm trying to reconcile the um, energetic dragons that are around with this view that we have of the hoarding, and maybe we just envision them as hoarding all the treasure, and therefore they're actually hoarding all the wisdom and knowledge of the universe. Maybe that's what's been going on, and we get really cranky because they have all the knowledge and wisdom, and we don't, and hey, could you share? And uh, maybe they're not sharing because we haven't earned it. Hmm. That idea, though, of the not sharing and that we have to steal it, well, I don't know that these are healthy ways to engage with treasure. In fact, I'm downright certain they're not. And that we have fallen into this hoarding tendency so much that this has become the defining factor of Western civilization that we hoard. We have a 1% who have, was it 98% of the wealth is with 1% of the population on the planet, something like that. My numbers are going to be off, but the idea is there. That's hoarding, people. That's hoarding treasure. That is taking the dragon's approach of mythological dragon approach of holding onto all of the stuffs and keeping it and you can't let it go. This is not healthy. This is killing everybody, including the 1%. It's transforming them in ways that uh, their souls and the lives of their children will never potentially recover from. Well, as we all inherit the, well, honestly, we inherit the nervous systems of our caregivers and our ancestors, and we take in their nervous system, we take in their magic, we take in their debts and their gifts all in one. And everybody's getting fucked by that attitude, and it's killing us on the planet because to hold on to it separate from and to not share it and to not release it into the world to serve its best purpose is to deny the true purpose of it. And at the same time, I actually can also feel into how there is a reason why treasure is held separate and sacred and sacrosanct. And that like all true mysteries, it's not that we don't share the mysteries with people. Um, sorry, mysteries, capital M working Wicca is a mystery tradition and it basically says that there are mysteries that you have to experience in order to understand them. Mysteries are not kept secret because 
You don't get to know that until you, you know, go through the three rites of heckle and jekyll. And once you have been pounced upon by the great god of concussion, I don't know, some silliness, then, then you will come to understand. No, it's not that you have to dot I's, cross T's, and pay $6 to the, the Sotan fortune teller. It's that you have to... You have to be ready. You have to be seated, not seated when you're bummed, but seated as implanted with the necessary seeds that they can blossom. Then you have to create the right conditions for those seeds to actually germinate and to grow. And then they actually have to break through the soil of your consciousness. And all of that, if you've ever tried to grow plants from seed, uh, a lot of times some seeds are really easy to grow. And, and grow with pretty much anyone, anywhere, anytime. But uh, some seeds are very, very finicky and require just the right circumstances. Well, the same is true with experiencing mysteries. And I can tell you about mysteries till I'm blue, until you're bored. And you may, I may even be able to get you to a place where you're, you conceptually understand the mystery. And that's one level of the mystery. And then another level of the mystery is emotionally feeling the truth of the mystery. And then another level of the mystery is feeling it in your soul. There are levels of understanding of mysteries and it's like peeling into the very essence of it. And each time you do, you go, oh my God, there is so much depth to this. I, I thought I understood this before. No, I did not. Now I understand. And it can, be make, it can make us really obnoxious to people who are experiencing the first level of a mystery. It's like, oh, that's so cute. You think you are understanding the mystery, but you're only in your head with it. And you've got so far to go. And it's going to radically change when you get the next level of it, if you do, because we're never done with those experiences. And mysteries cannot just be given in the sense of, I, like I said, I can tell you, I can tell you, I can tell you, but until you go through the experience, you don't own the knowledge. The treasure isn't yours until you go through it. You can't, uh, I can tell you what the color blue looks like all day long, but until you actually see the color blue, it's only a concept. And I feel that the same is true of treasure. And that's part of why we seek it is that we're seeking perhaps treasure is mystery. Hmm. Mystery, dream, treasure. How do these three words all interact? In what ways? In what mysterious, wondrous treasury ways do they interact? Well, here's the thing. We've hit just a little past the hour mark. And you know what that means? It means I'm done babbling because I don't want to go past too much the hour. And I'm going to wrap things up not with answers, but just with a whole bunch of questions and things that you can contemplate and maybe share your contemplations with me and maybe share your feelings with me because feelings are amazing and powerful and something we absolutely have to connect with if we have any hope of changing and becoming as individuals and therefore as humans and therefore as a planet of one living organism of which we are a part. And with that, I offer and I share and I send and I love and I still haven't figured out words right for this, but uh, this is new for the podcast. Uh, all honor to death who lights the way, to deities who inspire 
to the stars who witness and our ancestors who guide, to the naturum, the nature spirits who take part in this daily living, to the land upon which we work and live and play, and for me, to the land of the Kakite Nation, to all of our companions on this wondrous journey, and to you, my dear friends, to you. The offering of this podcast episode, the offering and blessing of these thoughts to all. May the blessings of the deep and wild be with us. Blessed be.